attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. All right, Entree Architect community, welcome to the backstage area of Context and Clarity. Every Thursday afternoon on Context and Clarity Live, Catherine McPhail and I and our live audience talk with a special guest to search for clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect, no matter what your context is. You may be the employee of a firm dreaming of doing your own thing, or maybe you've had a firm for a year or 10 years or 20 years and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. Every week we cover topics that fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture, and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of architects just like you. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff Eccles, and what you're about to listen to is the audio recording of a conversation that my co-host, Catherine McPhail, and I had with a special guest. Or will it be guests? from the Context and Clarity community. All of this to break down last week's Context and Clarity live conversation. So thanks for joining us as we all share our biggest takeaways and look for ways to apply what we heard in the Context and Clarity live conversation to our own businesses. Let's get into it. Welcome to the backstage area of the Context and Clarity studios. This week on Context and Clarity live, Catherine and I talked to Pat Flynn, He's an entrepreneur and the founder of Smart Passive Income, and we wanted to know what our audience thought about the conversation with Pat, so we've invited Chris Novelli to join us backstage. Chris is a is a, a Pat Flynn fan, and so he's the absolute appropriate person to have with us here tonight. Chris is an architect in Hopedale, Massachusetts, and the founder of N3 Architecture. He's an entrepreneur that's been inventing and reinventing his business and making it better since his launch. So, Chris, welcome backstage. Thank you, Jeff and Catherine. It's great to be here. Nice to see you, Chris. Yeah, it's it great to see you guys again. It's not like I don't see you guys every day or talk to you every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Long time special. no see. 
Yeah. And I'm, and I'm glad we, I am glad that we have you here backstage because you and I have talked about uh, getting Pat Flynn on Context and Clarity Live um, since we had him originally scheduled back in April. And, and uh, I drew the jury duty card and we had to postpone. And now finally we got Pat Flynn uh, back on Context and Clarity Live. So I thought it was a great conversation. But what did you think, Chris? Well, I was very inspired. As always, whenever Pat's talking, uh, even if you've heard him speak a hundred times, even if you've listened to his YouTube channel, even if you've listened to all of his podcasts, every time he speaks, there's always something new and always something uh, to to not only make you feel good about yourself, and but to make you feel motivated about doing more, about trying new things. So it's great. And, you know, you mentioned that I've been a fan of Pat's for a while. Like I... For years, I drove back and forth to work three hours a day on the on the highway, and I would listen to podcasts most of the time. And when I wasn't listening to Andre Architect, I was listening to mostly to Pat Flynn. So, um, and I dream, I would sit there in my car in traffic, dreaming about the things that Pat was talking about and the things that I could be doing. And mm-hmm. you know, now it's the time to do it. You mean instead of driving? Instead of driving, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good clarification. That's a lot of time. Three hours a day. You could do a lot in that time, Chris. A lot of dreaming. A lot of dreaming, yeah. (laughs) You know, as you were saying that, that, that's exactly what I was thinking about when we were talking to Pat at some point. It's like, this is not a conversation that's ever been had with Pat before. And and many, many of the people that that, uh, are you know, know, know about context and clarity know that my goal is always with the conversations to not have a conversation with whoever our guest is that you've heard before. And I, I just I sit there for a minute, just sort of amazed. Like, yeah, nobody's had this conversation with him before. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I, yeah. There are some points that, especially when we asked that question that you had, Chris, of how, what questions do you ask your audience to get engaged? And I just thought that was gold, that whole bit in there, you know, what he was talking about, you know, creating community and what that really means and how to look at it and having it be a safe space. Yeah, he really broke that down. And I think that was a great way to end the conversation with Pat, where he mm. talked, he really gave the the sort of step by step on how someone without a community can start to build a community or someone with a traditional architecture practice can start to build a community. And and I think that was very valuable for everyone listening. Yeah, definitely. I wrote it down on an envelope, which, you know, makes it important. Yeah. And, you know, when he talked about that, the building community, and it really resonated, right? Because he said, it's not one person talking to a group of people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not someone on social media standing on their soapbox talking at people. And it's not people talking back at you, but it's people talking and connecting with each other. And that's when the community really takes off. You know, and I can, we can just see, you know, with context and clarity and, and, and Entree Architect and just how that's happened over the past year and a half. And, you can tell, you can see what community building is and how the, the benefits that can come from it. Yeah, when he said that, I I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily expecting that. I hadn't thought about it that way, but he's exactly right, and that's one of the things you know that hopefully we never take it uh, take for granted is that you know when we on a normal you know an other weekday where it's a context and clarity conversation. And we have all the comments, you know, we, we, we live stream for, uh, for an hour there and we have all the comments, a, a good, 
percentage of those comments are people in their own conversation back and forth, right? Responding to each other. And it, yep. it, when he said that, it's, that was the picture that came in my head. It's like, my gosh, yeah, that's exactly what's, what's happening in context and clarity every day. So I, I really appreciated that, uh, the and way can he you, defined it. And can you imagine a traditional architecture firm sort of building a community like that and, yeah. and how they would build up their own sort of super fans to use a pat, a pat concept. Yeah. Yeah, no, I actually can't imagine that. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe, you know, Eric Reinhold would be the closest thing, right? Because he showed, he, he does that working in public, like Pat says, you do your work in public, show the process, the behind the scenes, and and get people involved. And so Eric does that a, a, a bunch. I'm not sure if he has so much of a community. I don't think the people that follow Eric follow each other, mm. um, but it's pretty close, I would think. Yeah, you know, it it reminds me there in another chapter of my life or previous life or whatever it was. Um, I've told this story before. We we won firm of the year in 2012, and when you when you submit for an award like that, you have to get a lot of testimonials and letters of recommendation and things. And there was someone that we had worked with. It's um, a famous, a, a well known architect wrote us one of those letters and he called us local vores. I thought, Oh man, that's a, that's a pretty cool term. You know, that's, um, you know, it's, it's pretty cool to have a, a label like that. And I started thinking about that. And first of all, it was true. When we started that firm, we really focused on a community, a, a physical, a geographic community. And as Pat is describing that, I'm thinking about local vores and things. We were, not it wasn't online it was it was in person it was a physical community but we i guess we had started to to develop that to build that um, we had events that we hosted we um talked to a lot of people certainly we 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 even had these um couple of different versions but one version was a bowling shirt you know with our logo and stuff on it people would would come to us and say can we buy one of your shirts we want to be a part of part of this and so i guess in a way never thought of it like that but in a way we were we were building that community so i can we were i think about about seven people maybe at that point um maybe a little less at that point five or six people at that point but um but i guess i can imagine a firm building a community like that it's a different mindset though and yeah it's an approach it's there has to be a very intentional and purposeful approach to do that it's not going to happen by accident i think uh just about everything that pat stands for or pat teaches requires a shift in your mindset yeah. right if you're want if you're attempting to create a passive income product you have to shift your mindset right how can you work a thousand hours to maybe sell something that's going to get you a hundred dollars or $10 at the end of the month. A lot of people will say it's just not worth it. That's too many hours for too little result, but shift your mindset and you think over time that builds up into something. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Sure. You know, I loved what he said about doing it just for one person. You're going to write a course, just take one person through that. You can prove to yourself it'll work and you get the kinks worked out and everything. I thought that was great too. 
yeah, the one person, one person, one result. Um, yeah. that's that's a uh, another great another great thing to think about. Yeah, because it, it's I to me that almost sort of takes a little bit of the pressure off, right? You're not trying yeah. to to you know change the world. You're not trying to to you know get a hundred people to follow. You're just trying to talk to that one person and and get that one result and mm-hmm. you know, try to make that person's life just a little bit better. Yeah, no, it was great. What was the term he used, like micro-testing or something along those lines? I mean, it's it's in the same vein. It, it's it's producing something and testing it at a very, very small scale. And maybe, hmm. it, maybe it was right on the heels of the one person, one result. But I, I think that's... Uh, you know, in things that I've done before, you know, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm all in. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to produce this thing. I'm going to get it out there without asking, without testing. You know, you, you forget the idea of minimal viable product and you throw this huge thing out to the, to the universe or to the marketplace or whatever it is and find out mm. not even that one person wanted it. So <laughs> going back to the idea of, of, uh, micro testing or whatever the term was that he used i forget now yeah i I think he was talking about micro testing i think he was talking about um you know his will it fly book and you know i think there's a companion course that goes along with it that explains how to test out some new business ideas before you get you know too far down the line but i think he was also talking about that in terms of perfectionism and not letting perfectionism hold you back um and just to, to to go out there and try to do it I was super sorry, go ahead, Catherine. No, oh, I was just gonna say, did anybody else feel like, oh, Pat made the right choice? Probably probably you were okay <laughs> with it, Jeff. But I was wondering if any of the other people who haven't jumped out of architecture yet didn't realize like like Pat, I feel like any of us or most of us have the ability to manage projects and launch ideas and do all these things that are applicable to other professions or other pursuits, right? Then and then and like he said, the uh, not having the governor on, is that the way you, you put that? Mm-hmm. Not yeah. having the governor on, like that whole aspect of it. Yeah, I just feel like, yeah, I can see just doing whatever I want to do and developing these things and making communities. And yep. Yeah, that I definitely good. I definitely think that Pat made the great the, the right choice there. And yeah. I think what I take from that is is good things can happen from bad situations. So you know, Pat got laid off, right? A lot of people got laid off in 2008. A lot of people got laid off in, two, in 2020. And instead of sitting around and saying, what was me? What am I going to do? You know, think of it as an opportunity. Um, and there was um, a quote that he was saying in his YouTube live stream uh, in early 2020. And it was it was something along the lines of, what does this extra time mean for you? Like if you were at home or if you were laid off, like what can you do with that extra time? I, I can't remember the exact quote, but um, mm. I don't know. That that resonated with me because it's like, what well, what have I always thought about doing for years? What have I have dreamed about doing and why am, why am I not doing those things? And I think everyone out there could take a little bit of inspiration from that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 That That's one thing I was, I've been conflicted about all week because, you know, we were coming out of last week talking about risk management. And I know there was a lot of, I know we generated or inspired a lot of stress last week, um, talking about risk and, you know, the fear of risk and everything for a week. And, and there, there are more than 
one or two people. In fact, I, I'm not going to say who it was, but I saw a comment where someone said they they because of that week they decided to leave architecture. No, that wasn't me. But I no, I no, decided no, it was not. the same. Well, I also decided so we can add another person to the list. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that I, that's one of the things I was conflicted because I I know Pat's story. Um, like Chris, I've followed Pat for a long time, and I. I Back back to your point, yeah, I think he made the right choice. I'm glad I said this you know, during the conversation. Hopefully, he took this the right way, but I'm glad he he uh, made that choice because if not, oh my gosh, the amount of of goodness that he's brought to the world, the amount of information that he's got out there would not be available to us. And um, so that's I I I love the idea that that conversation may have inspired some in our audience to do something different or add something on, you know, something that they want to do. Um, and if someone says, Hey, now I, I feel like I have permission to leave or to do this thing or whatever's right for them, right. They've got to make those decisions. Then, then I think that'll be a, a good result from this, uh, this conversation, but I, I was honestly, I was a little worried about it. I'm not trying to push anybody out of architecture. You're not going to tell me who it is, are you? Even if I try to convince you? No. Should I not waste my time trying to convince you? No. I do know it's a female person, so. Okay. <laughs> well, um, you know, there's no, there. you don't need to make drastic life-altering changes to, to take a chance on something else, you know? You oh, can. True. You don't. De- just dedicate a little bit of time to trying something out, and if it works, it doesn't. If it works, it's great. If it doesn't, then you've learned something. Yeah. Can, well, you know, he used the analogy of lanes, right? And, and I know that if you're listening to this, you couldn't see uh, the video where, you know, you kind of made a circle with his hands, and, um, you know, you can go this direction, that direction, basically to the, the four cardinal points. Um, you know, I think... So, so you're not happy with where you are today, let's just say. And, and I ended up at this point in, at some point in my past, I had started my own thing and I woke up one morning and I said, when did I decide to start a social media agency? Because that was uh, a lot of what I did when I first went out on my own. I didn't want to start an agency, but I had, because I'd said yes to mm-hmm. a lot of people and, you know, started, um, serving those needs that they were asking me to uh, to serve, but but had gotten to a place where I was I was doing something that I didn't really want to do, and so you know this idea of okay, well, how do what's the pivot? How do you get out of this? What's the lane to take from here to keep it focused in a direction? It doesn't have to be a like you said, Chris. It doesn't have to be a drastic change. It's maybe pivot is the right word. It's so overused anymore. But but um, what's the pivot? And how do I leverage, we actually talked about this earlier this week, didn't we? How do I leverage this and keep it flowing, you know, keep the momentum going um, while making a change? And I think, I think that's a key for anybody that's, that's wanting to uh, get out of the, you know, whatever the situation is right now. Okay. You know what else I loved when he was talking about saying yes too much fills up, you know, takes away from whatever it may be from other projects or your mental health or your family time or whatever. And then he said, even though I've been thinking about this for decades, he said, uh, just set it. So write it down, write down what you want to do and then put it somewhere. And then when someone asks you to do something, look at your 
statement about what it is you'd like to do. And if it doesn't match, you say no. That seems yeah. so simple. It's like a filter, he said. Like, you make this filter, which is this written piece. Anyway. Let's just bring that full circle. And, you know, the, I think the quote is when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Right. And bringing that full circle to what we talk about a lot here with ideal clients and projects. Mm-hmm. If you get someone that calls you up or contacts you for a project, if, you know, if it doesn't fit that that ideal client that that you dream about, that you want to be working with, if it doesn't fit that thing that's written down next to your desk, like Catherine was just saying, maybe it's best to say no. It's so scary, yeah. though, isn't it? If you're paying the bills with your income to say, uh, no, yeah, I'm not going to do that dormer project, but thank you. Dormer projects can be fun. That's all that I get mostly dormer projects and I feel like I'm done. But it's, but you're, yes, absolutely. It can be scary. You know, I tell the story all the time about sitting with, with our staff and saying, here's seven reasons we shouldn't take this project, but we're going to, because we won't have anything to work on come Monday. Uh, So yes, it is, it is scary. And we do have to, um, we do each have to live in our and work in our own reality um, and pay our bills and take care of our responsibilities and things like that. But, but the other side of that too is, is opportunity cost. And I've also said, you know, knowing what I do today, if I went back to that situation, and of course I have the experience of the, the horrors of that situation, that, that project and everything that went with it. But, um, but knowing everything that I know today, I would say, you know what, we're not going to take this project. But I also know that we would spend X number of hours with the onboarding and the startup and everything on this project. So we're going to dedicate those hours to to being very intentional, and even aggressive and going out and finding the thing, finding the right project, the right client to replace this opportunity. Um, again, it's a mindset thing. Um, yeah, you know, and, Gary, Gary V says you have a bunch of stuff you could sell. <laughs> I don't know what it was like, in what context, but if you didn't want to, you know, you didn't have anything to do Monday, you could spend some time selling some of your stuff and mm-hmm. waiting for the right person to come along. Uh, go to a garage quiet. sale over the weekend and, and flip some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> please, can we please, does anybody know him? Can we please get him on the show? Well, you know, he, he supposedly reads all the, all the messages, right? That people send to him. So if we just send them enough messages. Mm. he's eventually gonna see it yeah there are about 50 of us we'll put the group on it yeah we'll just we'll just um yeah anyway but but But, we're still talking about we're still talking about pat flynn so um i think like when when we talk about saying yes to something versus saying no to something and one of the things that i've been working on is is things that might lead to passive income down the line for me and i think i know that there's a lot of other people in the community that are doing the same thing and so if I'm dedicating time or if, if listeners are dedicating time to doing something like that, that might lead to some passive income, they're saying no to maybe they're saying no to a project that 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 they can't work on now. And maybe that there's a consequence in, in the short term, right? Maybe a little bit less income this month. But in the future, it's going to build up to having more time and flexibility for you. And, right. you know, I, I love the thought when he when he talked about, you know, what if he's if he's not feeling it one day, he'll just go fishing. Right. And that's, and that's the time is the greatest benefit. And you, you have that flexibility when you have sort of the, that those multiple income streams and, and um, 
and things set up in systems and and you know that's personally what one of the things I'm striving for. So. You know, and I I just I just can't get over. I, I I love his focus and and I I think there's a real application here somehow for architects even in a somewhat traditional practice. Everything he does is for his community. It's figuring out okay, what do they need? Um, you know, how do I how do I solve that need? How do I provide for that need? And so the next the next passive income and he does a ton of research and um, you know, we we uh didn't get into that really in the hour, but but he has hours and hours and hours of content out there at smartpassiveincome.com on his podcasts, on his YouTube channel. You can go you can go check it out. But how you know if if you're an architect or you're an attorney or whatever it is that you do, how do you know what your customers, your clients, whatever you call them, how do you know what they really, really need? How do you know what they really, really want? Um, you, you know, we, we, I think especially on the side of professional services, oh, well, here's our standard package. Is, is your standard package relevant to your ideal client or is there some, something else that, um, that we need to figure out some other need that we need to provide for. That, I think that, that fascinates me. Yeah. That just gets back in, into more of the community aspect, right? About having those conversations with people mm. and, and being engaged with them. Yeah. When, what, you know, going back to the example I shared with the, our, our firm back in the day, so to speak, um, there are projects that we got because of that community that I never would have imagined that we would have done. Um, you know, it just, it just came from being a part of that community and, and finding out where a need and where an opportunity was. You know, one thing that, um, I don't, we didn't really, or you didn't really talk to him about it. You know, there's only so much time, but online courses have become so popular in the last year and a half to two years. And, uh, I think there's an incredible opportunity for architects to teach online courses. Just think of the cocktail parties. You go to a cocktail party, you meet with friends or meet people at a networking event and you say, oh, I always wanted to be an architect. Do you know how many people out there would probably love to take some sort of online course from an architect, maybe about how to draw or about how they create their designs? Or even if, if, if it's just talking about like architecture history, I think there's a lot of opportunity. And if you have that community and you're providing them with the knowledge that they're, that they want to, to learn because it's always been an interest for them. I, you know, it's sort of a win-win for both sides, right? You can start develop, developing that passive income through the courses and they're, you know, gaining that, you know, knowledge. Mm. Yeah. So we didn't really get into that, but um, I think that there's an incredible opportunity there. Yeah. I have this fantasy that it's not, a, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's a fantasy. I have this idea of something that I could do, which would be to go rent a house like in a place that has big mansions that you can rent. And then you have however many couples, let's say there's 14 bedrooms, you'd need like four staff rooms. Like 10 couples can come and spend the weekend with us, like touring around, doing stuff, like having great meals, talking about architecture and maybe doing 
watercolors or sketching, whatever it is we do, we architects do in our free time. I wouldn't know because I don't have any free time, but I guess I would probably uh, do some, do some painting perhaps have a lovely meal anyway. But I think something like that would be fun. Of course, that's not passive. That's pretty active. And you actually have to go spend the whole weekend with people and things could go wrong. But um, yeah, anyway, that is one of the ideas that I've, I've gone a, a little bit into. Well, that, that sounds like a, like a, a possible retirement job for you, Catherine. You can have Catherine, Catherine's architecture bed and breakfast. You know, yeah. come yeah, for the weekend I and I, I can teach you how to do stuff. Well, you're and, right. That would be my house, you mean. Yeah. It would be my house. Yeah, that, actually, I you like that You wouldn't have idea. to go anywhere, right? I don't go anywhere. I just have a staff who does everything for me. And then I just show up and paint with people. Yeah. There or, you go. or knit or whatever. Watch some movies. Watch Back yeah. to the Future. <laughs> can, can I say something about last week? Sure. It kind of is on my mind and it kind of ties in with this too, in a way, with the whole Pat experience. Is that, you know, when I said something like, what's the point of being an architect or is it really worth being an architect or whatever? Mm -hmm. And then people, yeah. and I, and architects tend to do this all the time and it makes me feel upset. But, um, you know, when they say like, I couldn't imagine, I can't do anything else. I do architecture, can't do anything else. I think that's like, what a stupid reason to have a low paying job where you have all this responsibility and like, cause you just can't do anything else. Like what kind of baloney schnoggin is that? You could do something else. Right. I mean, if all you like to do is like, you can't help but design something, then have a job that pays you something and then just design stuff on the side for fun. If you can't stop yourself from designing, I don't know. I just feel like architects get that way sometimes. And I just feel like that just perpetuates this whole bad working situation for us. Or, you can even flip that, Catherine, and say, uh, I love being an architect, but I want to create passive income. So instead of creating passive income around architecture, I'm going to create passive income around my hobbies or the other things that I like to do or some other different thing that I want to learn about. Yeah, and I'm going to document myself learning about it. Or, um, you know, maybe you're an expert gardener or maybe you're uh, you know, great. I am, at, I am at, an expert gardener. I, I, you know, I, I'm looking right at you on the screen. So I'm going to say maybe you're an expert at playing the fiddle, right? So, you know, well, you, you create I'm some not, sort of. I'm not an expert at that. Okay. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I'm okay. I can do it. Just an I... example. But maybe, you know, you can create something around around that. Yeah. And no, you could. It doesn't all have to be all architecture. It doesn't all the time. have to be all architecture all the time. Exactly. And I, I, I remember hearing this once that uh, gardening is ab actually the number one hobby in the entire world well for good right. reason too because we're yeah. the plants are amazing mm -hmm. you know and they they help us so much i think with our mental health but also just what they feed us and they are beautiful and they feed our imaginations and and they i don't know they kind of cooperate with us so they're amazing and beautiful yeah. so of course and so you know maybe you're maybe someone's out there is a uh, always wanted to start a garden but they never they never did before so you know, maybe you document yourself trying to do a garden and say, you know, you create a YouTube channel or something or a podcast gardening for beginners and you sort of document it along the way and maybe it turns into something. Mm. Maybe it turns into a community and maybe you find that you love community, you love gardening more than architecture. You never I think I do. I think I do it's love gardening more than architecture, but you right. know, that's okay. I think it, I, I think your point is, is really good. It's, what I see, and maybe this is where it frustrates me, is, and I'm not saying I, I didn't struggle with this, and I think Pat probably struggled with this. We didn't get too deep into it when he was talking about his origin story, but 
but you know he he described architecture as being his dream job and then he was laid off which that's a pretty clean break right i mean like you said like uh i think he said uh getting the wind knocked out of you fall, falling off a skateboard or something getting the wind knocked out of you um so so that that's that's a that's pretty sudden that's that's a that's a break right there but i think there's so many people in the profession that have their entire identity wrapped up in being an architect because there are yeah. people that will ask me all the time i i i have not drawn a line in years now Right. I've not really, other than doodling on my house and, you know, stuff, I've not done anything quote unquote architectural for years. And there are a lot of people that ask me, you know, well, don't you miss that? Don't you wish, you know, whatever? I'm like, no. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I love to design, but my identity is not wrapped up in quote unquote being an architect. Um, I, I think. Pat is a good example. He's focused on helping people, which I think a lot of architects are. Not all. Yeah, I'm convinced that not them. all. But but there are other ways to fill needs and other ways to to help people. And and I think you're both exactly right. Leverage leverage your talents. Leverage your hobbies. I mean, you both have podcasts, right? Catherine, yeah. what's the name of your podcast? Uh, talking home renovations with a house maven. It does kind of have to do with architecture, kind of. It, it does. It does. Chris, what's mm -hmm. the name of your podcast? I have Home Design Academy, which is uh, talking about uh, struggles of homeowners, very similar to Catherine's. Um, and right. then also Empty Lots is the new one where I'm talking about uh, urban design in smaller cities. Yeah. So, you know, short of being a traditional architect, you know, a potential passive income stream could come from courses revolving around what people in your audiences would want. Right. And, and, you know, like, like you said, Chris, who knows where something like that could go, but you know, if you started to help your audience who may or may not be what you would call your ideal client now, but if you started to help an audience and with with these passive income products and that became the uh the the largest part of your business like eric reinhold we talked to him mm -hmm. i don't know a month ago now how it's been a while um i th i think if i have this right he's 80 to 90 percent of his income's coming from passive income it's not coming from being an architect per yeah. se right the the practice of architecture so um you know i if you want to say um I can't. I can't do anything else, or I can't imagine doing anything else. That, that you know, that's fine. Um, but I, I think it does go back to: is that really all of your identity? I, I think that's the root of that kind of comment. And and for some, you know, again, if that's your thing, more power to you. I don't. I don't have to. Uh, um, I, I don't think you have to move away from that. But I think you can. I think that's. that's it's a very, very long-winded way of saying, I think you can move past that. Um, there are other ways to accomplish your goals and, and be a full human being. Yeah, I think yeah. when it comes to Eric, I, I, I know he talks a lot about, uh, or he used to talk a lot about uh, getting started with the passive income products was, 
you know, not necessarily a way to make more money, but it was a way to, you know, help more people kind of like Pat, you know, very similar, right? You There's as an architect, as a solo practitioner architect, like he is, he can only work on so many projects in his lifetime, right? So the passive income products allow him to help more people. So whether that's through architecture or through gardening, I think that there's incredible opportunities out there. Gardening. Well, you know, the exciting thing is, I imagine that if you're in Pat's world doing that passive uh, passive income, building a community, developing courses and figuring out what people want, then it's kind of like you're designing, you are designing things. It's not mm-hmm. buildings, but you're designing something that you are designing. So there's not as much maybe value engineering going on or other people, what other people want to do. So it would seem like it would be a little easier to move things forward in a way that you originally intended with something like that versus working with a client. Um, I mean, it's just a different thing working with a client because you're, you know, kind of bringing their vision about, which is, which is the way it should be. Yeah. It's it's about designing your life too, right? About, Saying like, okay, I want to, I want to dedicate time to spending with my kids when they're little, or I want to, you know, dedicate time to being with family or taking care of an elderly parent, you know? So what can I do? What can I do in my business that will provide me with that time? You you know, I think that's a really great way to say that. Right. And and Pat, Pat said, you know, I'm going (laughs) to, he he was talking about, he just recorded I uh, spent two days recording a course on creating courses. It's a little meta, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's been a really busy week or a couple of weeks. But then he can take two or four or six, I think he even said, weeks off and the business will run itself. And That was amazing. Yeah. It, and that that's one of the big differences, right, between somebody like him that's created what he's created and and i'm i'm only going to speak for myself but i know there are others in this community who if if the judge of whether or not you have a business is that it is something that can run without you i'm not there right i'm not to the point where i have a business because i i have to be in the business um pretty much all the time. I can't take six weeks off and, and it just continue on and and the income com- continuing to flow. And I think that's a super important lesson. I'm glad you said it that way, Chris. Uh, I think it's a super important lesson for everybody in this community. We have to think about building businesses, right? It's, um, you know, it, it's, it's if if we want anything, in the future, if we want any sort of freedom, if we want to design this thing around our our lives, we've got to really be focused on building real businesses that can operate without us 24-7. Yep. Yep. Well, that might be a good place to, I mean, what more can be said, Jeff? I think, <laughs> I think that's it. No, there's, there's one more thing that I definitely want to say. And okay. it's something that I always run into well not always but so i run into it occasionally when i talk to people about the potential for creating passive income and the the answer i always get or the response i always get is oh that's already been done right Mm -hmm. so why why would i even bother it's already been done oh this person's doing that that person's doing that why should i even bother 
you know, I think just, that's I think that's just an excuse. I mean, it's an excuse. It's just they're just afraid to do it. How many people yeah. make pretzels? So many people yeah. make pretzels. <laughs> they keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, well, that, that actually came up this week in context and clarity. Again, I'm not going to oh, say it? who it is. You can you can uh, go and go back tell us, um, yeah. and find out. But somebody somebody that gave a presentation at a conference. And we were talking about what basically what you can do with that, create a course or or something from that. Said, well, other people have covered this in their blog and their their video series or the podcasts or whatever. And I'm thinking, so you're not gonna do it because other people have talked about what you presented. It's yours, it's your stuff. You can you can do whatever you want to with it. And I, I dare say that that would be more acceptable to most people because it's yours. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not somebody else talking about what you did on their podcast or in their blog. And so mm. do, do your, do your thing. And, okay. and Pat really, he, we talked, actually he talked about that today too. He said, what do you say? Uh, look to the people who have already done it. Right. If, and you know, you, you don't necessarily want to copy them, but you know, maybe if you, get inspired by those people you can try to connect with them have a conversation with them and you know maybe find out if it's something that you can do too but you know as an example if if i wanted to make a if i wanted to start a youtube channel on how to design modern houses with a really high production value even though i'm could be very inspired by 30 by 40 it's never going to be the same as 30 by 40 because I'm a completely different person in a right. different region and uh, under different circumstances. So just to anyone out there who's has dreams and ideas, just do it. Right? Just, just don't do stop. It. Just do least, it. You'll learn how to do it. If nothing else, I mean, you might not make, you know, you might not be able to retire. Like I, I, when I was learning how to knit all different stitches, there are a million, millions, thousands of people on YouTube who teach how to knit, but I liked certain ones because of whatever reason you know so yeah. people gravitate toward people for whatever reason just do what you want to do yeah yeah i think that's a great yeah. example and maybe that's the biggest takeaway from from pat is that you know you you build a community through authenticity being yourself being honest um presenting truth and the people that are looking for that truth and the people who um, that personality and that authenticity resonate with, they're going to come along. They're going to be a part of that community. Um, I, I love that. Yeah. Uh, and there's no such, takeaway. there's no such thing as failure, right? You either get the result that you were looking for, as he said, or you learn a lesson. Yep. Right. You so can what's waste, holding you back? Right? Well, you could waste money. You could sure. waste money. Sure. But, but, um, you learn, that's you learn the, the lesson. Start small. Start small. Yep. Online courses cost a lot, so how much are you going to yeah. waste? Probably not as much as that, right? I mean, yeah. what you're well, doing. so what, when I started my po my first podcast, right, I, I didn't want to waste money, so I just recorded the the first four or five episodes where I just recorded speaking into my cell phone, holding my cell phone up, just doing a voice recording. Then I said, "Oh wait, I can actually maybe do this a little bit," and so I bought a cheap microphone. From there, you know, upgrade. You can upgrade along the way. So yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. He he mentioned iteration a lot in this conversation. Yeah, so just just start, just start, start small, test, and and build from there. Hey, yeah. my dudes, I, I gotta bounce. 
All right. <laughs> All right, my dude. <laughs> Catherine's got to bounce. And I think that's a great way to, to wrap this conversation up as well. Um, I, I thought a fantastic conversation with Pat Flynn. Uh, Catherine, thank you for co-hosting that with me. Well, um, stressful, but anyway, it worked <laughs> out. Yeah, it it did. So thank you for that. And and Chris, thanks for joining us backstage. Really appreciate yeah, thanks, it. It's been, it's been great. It was it's nice chatting with you. Yeah. Well, we hope you'll come back again someday. Of course, anytime. I think the whole week has been great. It's been great. Club, Clubhouse has been great in the morning. Context and Clarity has been great all week. So yeah, good job. Fun. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Job, Thank Jeff. you for that. And for all of you out there uh, listening to this in the future after we recorded here, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. We appreciate all of you being a part of our community. And um, we'll be back with Context and Clarity Live. Uh, what is now, as we record this, is a week from now on uh, Thursday, October 7th at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. And we will have Angela Donahoe, who is the Chief Executive Vision Officer at Donahoe Associates, or, or I'm sorry, Donahoe Group. It's a uh, multi-generational firm, so uh, Angela has um, a little bit of a unique perspective, probably with, within our community, of being a part of a multi-generational firm and focused on succession planning and, and transitioning from one generation to another. So I think that'll be a really interesting conversation with Angela next week on Context and Clarity Live. So you can catch that at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern live on Facebook, inside the Entree Architect Community Facebook group, on YouTube, on the Entree Architect channel, on Twitch, on the Entree Architect Twitch stream, or on uh, LinkedIn. If you find my profile, I'm Jeff Eccles. Uh, find my profile on LinkedIn. You can find it live. You can listen and comment from any of those places. Or do just like you're doing right now and, and uh, get the audio only version here on the context and clarity podcast. So with that, thank you to all of you out there. We appreciate all of you and uh, we'll see you again somewhere sometime soon. Thanks everybody. All right. Well, now you know what we thought and what we're going to do with what we learned, but what did you think? What did we miss? I really hope that there was some big takeaway from the context and clarity live conversation or from our breakdown right here that will help you with your business. DM me on Instagram or on Twitter and let me know what your takeaways were. You can find me on all the socials at Jeff underscore Eccles. So send me a message and let me know what your takeaway was. And if you want more conversations like this, subscribe to the Context and Clarity podcast and leave us an honest review and rating. Those things really help us to get the message out and help us to help more architects just like you. Oh, and follow Context and Clarity on Instagram as well. There you can get a heads up on everything that's coming up. In our next episode, Catherine and I will host Context and Clarity live again with a new special guest and a new theme for next week. There's always something new to look forward to. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment. And it's also the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And finally, if the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you and you'd like to dig deeper into it, 
then join me over in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics just like this, and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. Catherine and I will be back for our next episode. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context may be. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.